Hey, everybody. <clears throat> Thanks for listening today. I'm extremely excited to have Kirsten Trana on the phone with me. Kirsten's out in Gilbert, Arizona, and uh, she and her husband and some business partners own Liberty Market, which is uh, – I've actually been to Liberty Market. It's an incredible place. Um, it's It's been very popular since they opened their doors. They've been very successful and <clears throat> have just done so many things really well, and they're sort of an inspiration to – uh, to me and to a lot of the folks that, that know them. Um, so, Kirsten, thank you for taking the time to share your story today. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, there's not a whole lot. I like talking more about them, what we do. Yeah, well, exactly. And what y'all do is, um, I mean, you, you really have a special place there. And it's been, I mean, just, you know, ever since you, you got started, um has been very well received and now you, you've been around for a while and so you've been through some stages of growth and the market's matured more so I want to ask you a lot about that stuff today but um, I kind of just to, to kick it off just talk a little bit about when you got started with Liberty Market and, and why you and your husband David and Joe Johnson uh, your business partner why, why did you all decide to to start Liberty Market? It's it's interesting. My husband has cooked um, as a chef and worked in restaurants the majority of his adult life. Um, he loves food. He's very, very good at um, cooking. Thing. It comes very naturally to him, and so it was a very natural fit for him. So, um, And my background is very different in that I have degrees in education and special ed. I went to college um, at Nebraska and really you know, thought I was going to teach for a long time. And Dave and I met um, one night when he was cooking a dinner and I was serving the dinner and um, we were both a little bit older and I actually took his knives, his chef's knives and cut a whole box of mushrooms on a granite countertop without, um, without a cutting board. And so the fact that we're even together is a miracle because no chef would ever <laughs> allow that to happen. So um, we met and we realized that we, I like I, I like teaching, I like education, but I really, really love my husband. I love what he does, and my skill set matched his very well. And so we started catering together. We had a lot of friends that were getting married, and so we decided to start a catering company. Um, ended up catering our own wedding, which I, I don't recommend to anyone oh, on gosh. the planet. That is why you hire a caterer, so you don't do it. Um, the day of our wedding, the guy who is Dave's really good friend and who's now our executive chef actually ran that day. Um, but we just started catering, looking for a place, saying, do we want to cater or do we want to open a restaurant? And we had driven by, we go to church in Gilbert, and we had out of our way, like literally two miles out of our way every day after church, would drive past this building that was a market, like a, a grocery store called Liberty Market, and we would drive by it and just say, whoever gets that building better not screw it up. And then we got on the freeway, we'd go to lunch, go home. And so we did that for about two years. And out of the blue, um, a really a friend of ours, but also a really good restaurateur in Gilbert, um, called us. And I we had just gotten back from China, literally dealing with jet lag. I was in the house. Dave was outside. He's on the phone with Joe. And Dave comes back in, and he goes, Kirsten, that was Joe Johnston. He wants to know if we want to open a restaurant with him at Liberty Market. Do you know where you put my toothpaste? And I'm going, do I know where I put your two wait a second what about a restaurant and so we that was in about <laughs> 2005 and um we sat down with joe and we, we we sought a lot of guidance and asked people you know should we do this we know that the restaurant business is really really hard 
is this something we should look at doing? And um, to to every person that we talked to, they said yes. And some of the best advice we got was, if you hadn't told us it was Joe Johnston, we would tell you, go find Joe Johnston and do it with him. And so there was a lot of confirmation that we had loved this building for years. We were good friends with Joe. Um, Dave always said, my husband Dave always says that um, business partnerships are a lot like a marriage. And we felt really comfortable with Joe and his wife, Cindy, opening this. And we sought guidance on that. And so we started planning it in 2005. And um, it took us three years to plan it, which is a long time for people. Most people don't take three years to plan a restaurant. They want to get open as soon as they can. Um, but that wisdom was very, very good for us in that we were able to do a lot. We were able to kind of process through all of the questions that we could anticipate so that when we opened, the questions that we couldn't anticipate were the ones that we had to focus on. Um, so that made it um, that made it a little bit easier. We did open, though. I, I, on, I think the second worst day of the stock market was somewhere, second or third, was October 15th of 2008. And our opening day was October 14th of 2008. And so we opened at pretty much the worst possible time that anyone could open a restaurant. And... We just celebrated eight years, and it is for us. It is a huge tribute to God's grace that we are even serving people, considering how many restaurants didn't make it through that period of time. Well, it has been a very tough stretch, and um, that brings up a lot of questions. Now, I, I have <laughs> to ask: so, three years to plan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean that you are you are you really uh, have thought through every detail of the design, the the menu, the everything that's going to be in there, what it's going to be like to be a customer in there. I mean, what what did you do differently to plan, or how did you plan differently than what most people would do? Well, and I don't know how most people would do it, but if anyone were to ask me, I would tell them to do it how we did, and. How we did it is that now the building was, it's a building that was built in the 1930s, so there was a lot of construction that had to go into it. Um, we had to put what's called a moment frame, which is a frame that holds it where, it to, where there to be an earthquake. So there was a ton of construction that had to be done. But then also we had to figure out the serving style that we did, that we wanted to do. Did we want to do fast casual? And fast casual wasn't very, um, not popular. I don't even think people really knew you could do that. So we kind of created a serving system that, works for us. You come in, you stand in line, um, you walk past our pizza station, you walk past our salad station, you walk past the desserts, you place your order, and then from that point in time, we do everything full service. We bring your food out, we refill cups if you need them, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a hybrid that we created to work our system. Um, our, our seating is unique in that when you're in line, we have a hostess that goes down the line gives you a number and puts a number on a table so you never have to wonder where you're going to sit. We find that for you. So it was coming up with those things and how do those work. Um, coming up with, we had to build a kitchen. What kind of kitchen do we want? David always works in kitchens that he goes, you could go in in the morning when it was dark, there could be a hurricane. When you came out, it was dark. You had no idea that happened. So we put tons of natural light. We put, our kitchen is glassed in so you can watch people cook. Our bus date, our bus room, not our bus room, our dish room, has a huge window, so there's natural light in that as well. So we just wanted to honor the people that work for us as much as the people that come in because that's just an important part of anything else. 
Um, the other thing we did, I remember I did all the paperwork, so my degrees and my writing in college really helped. And one of the things that he would ask, did we go over the, the, the gusts that would come in and that sort of thing? And so we, would, we wrote vignettes on the type of people that we thought would come in. We really felt like there would be families that came in. So we wrote what we wanted their experience to be like. We thought there would be people that came in for business meetings. We wrote what their experience would be like. Um, moms who dropped their kids off for school. So I think there were like five different vignettes that we wrote. And then we took all of those vignettes and put those into, if it's moms with kids, what do we feed kids? If it's business people, how do we make lunch get done in an hour? If it's families that come in for a holiday, how do we make sure we have seating that will fit a family of six, seven, eight, or nine? And so all of those pieces were kind of thought through before we did that. And then with the menu, Dave kind of went through. We didn't want it to be one kind of food, and Dave's Sicilian. So we wanted a little bit of Italian in there, but not so heavy that it was an Italian restaurant. And so we, what do those pieces look like? How does this work? And so we wrote out all of those things. And I think one of the things that to this day, if I were to say, I don't know if I want to open a second restaurant, it would only be because the second piece of this puzzle that I had to do was we took every, I took every single menu item with Dave's help and we wrote out the process for it. So from how it was cooked, like what walk-in did you go in? What shelf did you get it off? What pan did you put it in? What plate did you put it on? Where did you take it? We walked everyone through those steps so that you could literally follow a process to get food. And then we did that with customers as well. When you come up, what do you order? Where do your food? Where does your food go? Where do you sit? Where do you get your drinks? And so we wrote out literally every piece of a day at Liberty Market with every menu item. And I think it was exhausting for me. I was like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. It's so hard to do. Until the day that I did the sandwiches, and I'm writing out the sandwiches, and I realized we have put all of our reach-ins on the wrong side so that the doors don't open correctly. So the sandwich guy has to walk around an island, get the stuff out, and come back around. Had we not done that preparation, we would have had to do change orders, and we would have had to do it after we opened. And so after that, even though it was time-consuming, it helped us really get a better picture of what we were going to be asking our employees to do. And we knew that as owners. It wasn't an employee coming up and saying, Hey, you're you're a reaches this, they don't work. Because likely you'd be like, Well, I don't I'm they're fine, we did this. And so it enabled us just to really see it from the eyes of our employees and work on that capacity too. And then the eyes of the, the guests. Like, if you come in this way, is this an easy line to get in? Or do you have to walk through things? Or do we have to move this here? Um and so the three years really enabled us to be a little bit more wise um from the perspective of the people that would be in the restaurant that weren't the owners. Wow. That um, requires a, an extreme amount of patience, I would imagine. <laughs> it, was, it was very – I think what it really did for Dave and I, too, is that helped me understand the kitchen, and it helped him understand the front of the house a little bit from what mm. my perspective would be because I ran front of the house, and I could be telling him, hey, this is going to be wrong, this is going to be wrong. And I would know it because that's where I was going to spend all of my time and I would have thought about that. And he would say, well, no, this is the kitchen. You have to look at this. And it helped us kind of solidify as a married couple, but also a married couple who is going to spend an inordinate amount of time together in a very stressful situation. 
And what we, both of us, I served all through college and his experience, both of us remember too clearly that the front of the house and the back of the house in all of the restaurants we worked at didn't like each other. That if there was mm. something wrong, front of the house would always say, it's your fault. Back of the house would say, no, it's your fault. And we realized pretty quickly if we didn't bridge that gap, and we used to talk a lot about bridging, how do we bridge the gap? How do we bridge the gap? If we didn't figure out how to bridge that gap personally, it was going to affect our marriage. And so it really caused us to try and understand where each of us were coming from, from those different perspectives, which helped the staff, which helped our customers, and which helped us as a married couple. And I think um, Joe and Cindy would say the same thing that with them, too, going through all of these pieces, it really helped bind us together as an ownership team, too, because all of us knew what was going on in the restaurant. It wasn't like, well, Kirsten's only doing this, David's only doing this, Joe's only doing this, Cindy's doing that. Yes, we were doing our job, but each of us then knew what the responsibilities of the other person or the other individuals were, and that really helped us. Much like we talked about a partnership being a marriage, it really helped us as married couples and as business partners to be more effective. Well, eight and a half years later, are you still? Do you still go back and revisit this process? We do. We do a lot, and Dave does this a lot. We've been able to really um, grow a staff that is very. I love our staff, and I don't know how many. Um, I don't know how many business owners can say that and see their staff beyond um, employees, um, but I really feel like our staff is an extension of our family, um, that we argue and we disagree and we agree and we do all those things family do, but there's a loyalty and a like a common goal, and I think that's huge. And um, one of the things that we talk a lot about, and this is it, we come back to this all of the time, we only train our staff on two things besides how do you carry plates, what do you do, that sort of thing. The only things that we go back to, one is a passion for the food, and the second one is serving with a servant's heart. And so we evaluate that regularly and ongoing. So what those things are is that if you make a pizza, and the pizza's burned on the bottom, and maybe the busser is helping carry something out because they have a free minute, and they see that the pizza's burned. The passion for the food is that even though it's a busser who might not have a lot to do with this, with the making of the pizza, they can stop that process and say, hey, I don't think we can serve this. And we encourage them to do that. We'll remake it and figure it out because it's everyone's responsibility to have a passion for the food. And then serving with a servant's heart is that you serve out of an internal desire to serve people, not because they tip, not because you get a paycheck, not because those things happen, but there is a difference when you go into a business where people are serving because they care versus serving because you're paying their rent. Um, both accomplish the same thing. They get a paycheck, they make tips, they pay rent. Um, but one is done with a different heart motivation, and that's really proven to be an amazing thing that we see in our staff. Um, and I think that with that, when we go back and evaluate things, we go back and we say, okay, let's look at the things we're doing. We just did an update on our menu. And it's like, okay, let's look at all these pieces on the menu. Um, this is what they look like. So they build a build book, but they're like, we have to have a passion for the food so that whether Dave's making the eggplant parmesan or Chris is or Jordan is or Jade is, it all looks the same because we all have the same passion for the food. And then how we do things, it still goes back, okay, what are we changing? How do we reevaluate this? Do we need to change, you know, do we need sticky buns on the weekend or we do them during the week? How is that caring for our customers? How is that serving from the heart? If it's something people want, can we do that and serve them in that way? And so 
we do evaluate constantly asking ourselves, is this what we want? Is this what we see? And owner's eyes are different sometimes. When you go in, you see all of the things that you need to fix. Oh, we've got to work on this. We've got to work on this. We've got to work on this. And so in that framework of serving with a servant's heart and passion for the food, it enables us to go back and ask those questions and change those things and look at those based on our core tenants to make the restaurant better um, for other people and the employees that work with us. How, you know, look, as an owner, um, that's how you're going to look at it. And this is this is your baby, and you have that passion naturally. You don't have to train it. You don't have to coach it. Yeah. You don't have to um, try to find it in yourself. How do you get a busser? to care yeah. whether the pizzas burn on the bottom. Yeah. And I think where that comes we've been really really blessed with our staff. We um Gilbert has a very young population. Um we have a lot of teenagers that start with us. Um and we have older people too, but it's really fun to watch these teenagers come in. It's their first job and empowering them to say, "Hey, if you don't like this, or you think something's wrong, you have to let us know because this is part of your job too. Um, taking them through those training, teaching them those tenants. We take them through Liberty Market 101. Here's how we started. This is what this looks like. Here's what our hearts are. Um, this is your place. Like We don't just hire you to check you off and say, okay, we have someone busting dishes. We want you to be a part of this. And what we've, what we've established too, I think that is just super encouraging is that our leadership staff that we've had, and we've had a couple people that have been with us the full time, um, they have taken this on themselves. We had um, a difficult situation a couple of years ago with um, a hire that we had done, and several of our employees came and said to us, "Not, um, we don't like this person, we don't want this to happen, we don't want this. They came and they said, this person is adjusting the culture that we, we believe in. And we can't work here if that culture isn't here anymore, that culture of caring for hmm. others, that culture of passion for the food. And that was more meaningful than anything that Dave and I would have seen or Joe and Cindy would have seen because our staff said the culture that we want to work in is being upset and we need to get that back and we need to make sure that that is what we do because that's what Liberty Market is. And so we've been able to train that into some people and we just have people who have heart and values and they come in and they've stepped up to that plate and it's it's fascinating um, to watch them train this staff and say, this is what we do. It's not what David Kirsten and Joe and Cindy want. It's what we do at Liberty Market. And I think one other thing that we did is we hired a guy named Andy a couple of years ago. Well, he was, he came to us and said, I'm really interested in consulting with restaurants. Is there any way that we could trade? I'll consult with you and we'll go through some things and, you know, I'll trade off on that. We'll be able to use your name as, as having experience with this. And it has been one of the most valuable um, experiences ever. And what he's really good at is teaching a staff to ask questions. So instead of saying, you need to fill up those salt triggers, I'll say, hey, you know, when you get to a table and this is where you're sitting down and you need salt, what is one of the things you look at? Well, it's exactly the same thing. you got to fill the salt shaker up. But he has trained and worked with our staff and, um, with Dave, just develop this culture of education and this culture of learning. And instead of, I guess, instead of being top-down, do this because I said it, they lead from example and they lead from asking questions. And it's less, we, we actually call it, we, don't, we call it a leadership team, not a managerial team, because 
they are not managing people, they are leading people by example. And we've really tried to put words in that create the vocabulary of what we want to do. So we call them service professionals instead of wait staff, um, kitchen professionals instead of, you know, cooks or whatever, because it gives a little bit more, it explains more when you read those words and you see those words. Oh, I'm a professional. I better act like a professional. Um, mm. And so those pieces have really, by putting those words in and changing that um, and creating our own take on that, we accomplish the same thing but in a way that gives value to people that we see value in. Now, so you have people that have been there since you started, um, which is amazing. It's, we've just been eight and a half years now. You built a place where the single unit economics work, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you've been able to keep your attention 100% into your location. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that has been, well, let me take a step back. I, I'm curious how you've been able to keep folks that long. And I know there's opportunities to grow within Liberty Market, but probably to a certain point where mm-hmm. lots of folks say, look, we have one, we'll have two in a few years, then we'll go to five and then 10, and you have room to grow within this business. And that's attractive to a lot of people. Is it, How do you keep people engaged uh, and, and, and a part of your team with so much devotion when that's, the, that's your single location? That's the yeah. place that they're going to be as long as they're with you. Yeah, it's really, that's an interesting question because I think what I had to realize very quickly is that there are different kinds of restaurateurs, and I didn't know that. And so you have restaurateurs whose goal is to open five or open ten, and that's just a very natural progression. We have one, it's running well, we're going to open a second one. It's running well, we're going to now have a a system, we're going to follow these. And so it's very easy to do that. But one of the things that we decided is we adopted a little girl about four and a half years ago, and we really like the fact that Dave's home on a regular basis. We really like the fact that I can take her to school and pick her up, um, that we can go on vacation because we have a staff that stays there. And so we have personally realized that we are owners, that one restaurant or one Liberty Market concept is where we're at. It's something that we won't do anything in the future, but we won't do another Liberty Market. And so we look at that and say, so what we can do is pour our time and attention into what we do. And there are always things that we see we can do better um, and things that we can create. And I think what what happens with our staff is that Dave is there on a regular basis. So we had a situation a couple weeks ago where one of our um, cooks was out, got sick. And so our sous chef just, she stepped up and said, I'm just going to, you know, I need to pick these chefs up. There's shifts up. And so she was like on day seven of just picking up this person's shift along with her own with, you know, just that's what her job was. She did that. And Dave called and said, hey, it's my day off. I'm coming in, I'm going to work your shift, I want you to just take the day off. Um, And so he went in on one of his days off and didn't do that. And he has the ability to do that because we have a single location and because he can say, this is what I'm doing. And I think what that does is that it puts, that our staff sees that we value them. He could have taken his day off, it's no big deal. Like, it's that's what we do. Um, And you have a lot of restaurateurs that they run it, and that's okay, that's the, the mentality that they have. They have a different perception of being in the restaurant. It doesn't work for us. And so 
when he went in and covered a shift, I talked to um, I talked to another person and I said, you know, hey, you know, this person was, you know, second one of was second. She covered all these shifts. We want to make sure that we cover those for her. She's like, you have no idea how much that meant to us. Like that is so big. And it was little, and it was probably a six-hour shift. It was six hours out of Dave's life. It was no big deal. Um, but that created this, wow, you care for me. Like, you were aware that I worked seven days straight. You were aware that I did this for the restaurant. Not to make you see what I do, but because this is what my job is, and you value that. And I think that you see that a lot. I see that with Dave's value for his staff that he works with in the kitchen. And I see that with the, the front of the house, too. And I think that – I think you begin to – if you've worked enough places, you begin to see that difference. Even if you can't put your finger on it, you know something's different. Um, we close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day every year, and that was a little selfish because Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year. And so I was like, I'm I'm not opening a restaurant where I can't take my days off, so we're going to close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And if we're not going to close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we're not going to open ever. And so it was like, you know, let's close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Well, I don't have to work seven days a week anymore, so it's really easy for me to schedule myself Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off and never even think about it. Like, that doesn't affect me. We still close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, even though Christmas Eve is an incredibly good business day for us because it gives our staff two days at home with our families for the holidays. It enables mm-hmm. our um, our pastry chef to be home with her kids. It is, you know, just all of those things where you get – that gratitude, and they'll say, wow, we really appreciate that you, I'll read their social media tags sometimes, and they'll say, you know, love having a boss who lets me have two days off. That's pretty minor. I mean, it's a pretty big hit financially. It could be for some people, but what we feel the benefit of getting that off to ourselves is, is more valuable to us than the money that we would make in that. Um, we're able to provide um, insurance for them, and we didn't have to. Um, we, you know, really work to give them, you know, good wages. We really try to communicate with them. And I think there just is that, I, I, I hope, I really hope um, that what you, what they see is that it's not about filling our pockets with money. It's about a place that's home for us and they're part of that home. That's awesome. Um, what would you do? I was going to say, what would you do differently? But I guess more importantly, you spent all that time planning down to um, very important details where there are things you had not thought of. And that may be anything from the flow in the kitchen to, you know, what it was going to be like to to be an owner. Yeah. Um, I remember... I, I literally can tell you that we open our first day and you're so excited at five o'clock in the morning and I leave like at midnight and, and I get home and I crawl in bed and I'm just sobbing and Dave goes, what's wrong? And I'm like, we have to do this again tomorrow. And then the day after that, and then the day after that, and I hadn't been aware of how exhausting it would be or how taxing it would be. I didn't know that you would have to fight for sales at times where um, you could go out of business next week. Like it was a recession. People might not come to your restaurant. And I think one of the things that Dave and I were talking about right after we opened, um, because, you know, you're just sitting there, how do we cut costs? How do we make sure we stay open? What do we change? Um, he said, Kirsten, I had no idea I would feel so responsible for employees. We may not make it. 
we might end up closing and you and I would figure out what to do with that and we would move on and we'd go from there. He goes, but I didn't think of if we close, how that affects 50 employees. I, I, I can hardly handle the weight of that, of, of that um, stress. And I remember going, if we didn't care for our employees, this would be a whole lot easier because we could just be like, I don't really care. You don't want to be open on Christmas Eve. We're opening. But that weight of caring for another person and another person's family, um, not that I didn't think we would. I didn't realize how deeply that would affect us and how important that would become to us. Um, one of the crazy things that we did, we opened with a very Italian breakfast. We did Canadian. We have a 3,500-square-foot restaurant. We have over 100 seats inside and probably another 35 or 40 outside. So we're a pretty big establishment. And we did a breakfast that was maybe two panini sandwiches, maybe yogurt and granola. Um, that does not add up to staying open if you do the math. And so within about three weeks, Dave and Joe had to sit down and put together an entire breakfast menu that we had not vetted like we did everything else. And so we went from a really commuter breakfast to a full breakfast within three weeks. And you have to have that mentality of, nothing's sacred. Dave didn't really ever want to make pancakes. It wasn't his favorite thing to do. And we talked and we're like, if you don't have pancakes, you'll never get a kid in this restaurant. We put pancakes on the menu. Um, we now have four different kinds of pancakes and we do them well. Um, but that ability to not hold anything sacred um, enables you to be flexible enough to stay in business. Um, and, and by not having anything Sacred. I think you have to stay sacred to the things that are foundational, like serving with a servant's heart and having a passion for the food. But if you want to have that salad, because your grandma always made that salad that way and so help you, you have to put that stuff in it, but nobody's eating it, it's prideful if you're not willing to take it off. And I think pride will kill you in this business. So you really, you you basically can't have anything sacred other than your sort of your guiding principles, but you need to have very clear guiding principles as your foundation so that your decisions are made from that place. Is that right? I mean, your guiding principles yeah. are having a passion for the food and serving with a servant's heart. Yeah. And, and so like even with that, with breakfast, when you look at that and go, okay, we have a passion for the food. We're making the best paninis we could possibly make. But um, if we don't change that, we're not doing a very good job of serving with a servant's heart because we're not serving people who can't come in. So how do we look at that and say, yeah, this was a great idea and this would be great if we lived in somewhere in Italy where there were 47 million tourists every year and they wanted Italian food. It's like, great, paninis are going to work great. I live in a community that is the second highest population of, of per capita income in the state of Arizona, and everybody out here has children. How do I serve those people um, what they'd like, and how do I make that honorable to what we do and how we do that? When we we have a an espresso bar, and when we open it, was that big thing where you can never have syrups. It's, it's adulterating the co or you know the coffee is bad if you put syrup in it. You can never do you can never do syrup. Well, if we didn't put vanilla or offer a vanilla latte. Um, our espresso wouldn't our espresso bar wouldn't be frequented as much because it's a really big drawer flavored lattes and that sort of thing. But our integrity was we want a passion for the food. So how do we balance those things together? And so what we decided to do is we make our own syrups from scratch. 
And so we use mm. really good ingredients. It's very simple to make uh, vanilla flavoring. Um, but we said we want to serve people what they want, which is a vanilla latte. We want to serve it with the integrity that we feel food should have. So we're going to do that by making our own syrups and making everybody happy. Um, now, as a business owner that has a staff that can make syrups, it's very cost-effective to make your own syrups. It, we don't have 47,000 syrups. We have four, I think. Um, but our caramel is made from scratch, our chocolate is made from scratch, and our four syrups are made from scratch. And we were able to stay honest to what we feel is important, but to serve and care for people that we also feel is important. And I think those are the, how do you take what is foundational, but then also be flexible and meld those together. Well, that's fantastic. And I mean, I imagine that you, you like, you know, you didn't want to serve pancakes initially, but if you want children in there, you need to have those. But then when you see smiling, happy children and their happy parents, you know, as your customers, um, and, and they're yeah. Yeah. elated to have pancakes, it, it probably can help you turn on some passion for that, you know. Um, it I mean, does. And we have, like, I mean, it's how everything. So we have the best pancakes. Well, we have really good pancakes. And you look at that and say, hey, if we're going to make pancakes, let's make the best pancakes we can. And I'll tell you what, right. we didn't have a kid when we started doing pancakes. If we didn't have pancakes now, four and a half years ago, we would have had pancakes because I'm taking my kid into the restaurant, and I want her to have pancakes. And so <laughs> you kind of want to know what stage of life am I in. I need to kind of glimpse around and look at other people. I need to get outside of myself and see what are the needs. What does this look like? If I had a kid, what would this look like? If I had an elderly parent coming in, how do I have feeding for them that they can wait instead of standing in line? Like you, you begin to think that's that that serving with a servant's heart is you begin to have to look outside of yourself and look at other people. And I think we live in a society, and I can say think, but I can say that I know. We live in a society where we look at ourselves first and then we'll look at other people if it benefits us. And I think Mm. that where we can as a restaurant and where we can train our staff because we have a responsibility to train them to be better people in general anyway. So I can teach them how to have good food and stuff like that. But I have to teach them other skills much like I would my daughter. And by teaching them to look at other people and to care for other people, that doesn't necessarily make the world a completely better place because they might not think of other people outside of the restaurant. But it does make this slice of the world a little better because we are thinking about other people. And I think as as an educator, as a person who has faith that is very important to them, I feel like that is something that we can offer um, that people might not know why it's different, but it's very different. I love that, Kirsten. Um, let me ask you this. Do you do you think years ahead about the future of, of Liberty Market, or do you just think about taking it one day at a time and you have your found, foundational principles, your guiding principles, and just – Staying focused on that from day to day and, and letting what happens happens, or do you think you know what, what's Liberty Market going to look like five years from now or ten years from now? It's it's interesting because I think that that like kind of guides Dave's in my life in general that question on all pieces of that um, from raising kids to having a home to having a business. Um, it's the unique 
principle of, of two hands. You have one hand that you have closed and hold tightly to the right now, and you have you one hand that's open for the not yet. And you have to live in the tension of the world of looking at both of those things because when you look at the restaurant business, you can be terrified. I read an article the other day on when will the restaurant bubble break. Um, and you can look at like, oh, my gosh, we've got to do all these things. We have to change this, and we have to do this, and, this, and that's the – yeah, you probably have to look at, at what you're doing and how do you stay relevant without changing your message and how do you stay relevant without changing your message. And that's the relevancy changes, um, but the message doesn't change. And so for us, when we look at that, we just uh, Arizona just went through a significant law change and that we changed our minimum wage requirements and that affected 95% of what we pay our staff. Um, and so we have to look at that and say, okay, how do we um, how do we adjust menu prices? How do we adjust all of these things to be able to make up for the wage differences? Um, and we have to do that right now because it comes it came into effect January first. Um, but then how do we also look at that and go? But how do we stay in business in five years? So you have to adjust your prices, but instead of doing a blanket change across the board and saying we're just raising all of our prices this way, it was very strategic. And we looked at it and said, you know, can we raise this price but keep this one the same and accomplish the same thing and enable us to pay our employees more right now, but looking at the future saying that we're not working ourselves out of a restaurant or pricing ourselves out of a restaurant. And so I think it's it's this tension that you're constantly in, in how do we continue to move forward, but continue to do what we're doing. And I think that that happens with kids. How do you live with a four-year-old and, and be like, how do I love you right here today, but how do I train you to be five? Um, how do I, you know, just live in this world and the one that is coming in four years or five years as well? And knowing that you have no idea what four or five years is, your best intention could be completely different in five years because you have no idea what could happen. Love it. I think that's a fantastic um, way to look at it, Kirsten. What? Let me ask you one more question. If you could have a conversation now with Kirsten Trana of 2008 on October 13th or 14th, with the day before you open your doors, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you say? Uh, I think I would want to tell her, you're not going to die. You're going to make it. And it will be better than you could ever think it will be. Um, because I think there were times when I was so in the moment going, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. And yet I feel like um, that that for every one of those situations, um, and like I mentioned, as a person of faith, I feel like God gave me what I needed at those. He didn't give me more than I needed. Uh, he gave me what I needed to get through that day. And just plowing through it and establishing processes and things that would work day to day, um, Kirsten, you're going to make it. And it's going to be a great lesson to look back and see faithfulness. Um, so I think that's what I would say. But you're not going to die. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Kirsten, this has been so, so awesome. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do this. And I know anybody that listens to this will just be inspired and just enthusiastic, just as I am right now listening to you, because it, it really is a wonderful story, what y'all have done. And uh, just hearing the passion uh, and love for what you do in your voice is just—it's it's just I could I could listen to you all day. So I, I thank you very very much uh, for taking the time, and 
I know that we'll stay in touch. I love what y'all are doing. I wish I were much closer in the world to Gilbert, Arizona, because my one time there was just a great experience, and I hope I'm back there one day. But I, I thank you so much for doing this. Well, and thank you. It's I think one of the things that it does for me too is it, remem- it reminds me, and I think what I would what I would encourage too for people is to tell your story to people because when you mm. tell your story, it becomes so real and you see, wow, that was really tough, but look at what happened here and going back and doing that. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to sit down and, and just relive eight and a half years of, of what we have done and just to see where we started and to know where that story began and to see where it is now and then to be excited about where it's going as well. Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, it's interesting. I've noticed from doing this podcast that a lot of people say something very similar to that, and I had never really – I had never thought of that. But mm-hmm. it's hard. I mean, we I don't sit – you know, I'm, I am I don't sit down and, and talk about the last 10 years at Schedule Fly. And, um, yeah. and, uh, but when you do, it's, it's reinvigorating and it helps you reflect and it helps you remember what part, what things are important and what's not important. And, um, so I'm, I'm awesome. I'm glad to, glad it was a, a good experience for you too, because it was just really fantastic information and great advice and wisdom. And, um, I know everybody that knows y'all admires what you've done and, and, uh, I'm one of them. And, uh, so um, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it, and I appreciate it. And please tell Dave hello and Joe hello for me, and we're always around if you ever need anything. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Kirsten. Take care.